welcome to the Soulful Eclectic. I'm your host, Diana Collins, and I would like to welcome you guys back to this episode. And um, I, if you haven't joined us before, thank you for coming and you know listening and being a part of this Soul Tribe. If you have listened before, I want to say welcome back and thank you so much for giving me your time and uh, sharing a part of you with me. Uh, today, I have with me a friend of mine, Chris Studenka, who is an actor. He is from Michigan, but lives here in Arizona now. And um, if you're interested in his IMDb, he's got IMDb cred. Um, but I want to talk with him today about him, himself, being his authentic self and how he you know, started this journey on, you know, bettering himself, running marathons, being an actor, model, and things of that such. So thank you, Chris, for being a part of the show. All right. So Chris, thank you so much for joining me. I, I thoroughly appreciate you spending your time with me. Um, I know you have so much more you can be doing on a Saturday. <laughs> well, it's my pleasure. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. You're yeah. welcome. Um, so, you know, I really just want to talk about you and how you became your authentic self. You're an actor. I, you know, I read your IMDb and you've been out there. I think we had a conversation four years, four or five years you started acting. Yeah. But um, reading your bio, you, you've been playing with the film for a while. Well, yeah. <laughs> In a silly way, but yes. You know, you're still Mar Enterprises there, right. your label there. Um, so just in case you thought I wasn't paying attention, <laughs> I was paying attention. Um, but yeah, so, you know, what really intrigued me to actually have a conversation with you was you when we um, first met and we did the whole <laughs> Joker scene that yes. we were recreating, right? And you had your running journal. Yes. And, you know, even though I'm focused trying to do our scene, I'm like, wow, he's running this and he's running that. So I'm, I'm mentally you know, calculating that. And honestly, that is one of the things that really started me running and um, picking that up. And I hate running. I'm a military girl. And, you know, those two miles used to kill me. So it was a challenge, yeah. definitely, to, to even do that. And I still can't run a full one mile completely without stopping. But, you know, it's getting better. It's getting better. But, um, so thank you for that. Sure. <laughs> thank you for that. Just for further clarification for those listening, when we did that scene, we needed a prop notebook and I brought in, I run, I'm an avid runner and I brought in my running journal just so it looked like a notebook that Diana had to continually look at. So she <laughs> learned far too much about my running than she ever cared about, but that's what she's referring to. Yeah. So that, that was, uh, that was quite the day, right? Um, but yeah, so we, you know, definitely, um. Uh, I think that's what really, you know, made that connection for me. I was like, oh, he's, he seems like an interesting, interesting guy, kind of guy, right? Um, but honestly, with us and what I like to talk about, what actually brought you to start becoming your authentic self? Because, you know, we all started this journey. We didn't always be, some of us and mm -hmm. anyway, didn't always yeah. be our authentic self. So um, how did that journey Again. Well, I think that's you know that's a loaded question, of course, <laughs> obviously, and and you can certainly point me in a direction because there's a lot of layers to that. I think with everybody, mm -hmm. there's right. so many layers to life. Uh, I grew up in Michigan, very blue collar, auto industry, 
everybody works at the plant. Literally, they made Cadillacs across the street from my high school. It was a factory a mile, literally a square mile. Mm -hmm. It was right across the street from my high school. And most of the, back in the day, they said you graduate Saturday and walk into General Motors on Monday. Wow. And uh, work on the line the rest of your life. That was a real common thing in Michigan. Wow. Um, just wasn't the life I ever wanted to lead necessarily. Nothing wrong with it. But, mm -hmm. uh, um but I had a, a really wonderful childhood, two loving parents and two older brothers, and um, really nothing outrageous in my childhood, pretty standard. Right. And then I went to college, and uh, but I got married, met my ex-wife, well, we'll get to that too, that's all part of the layers, uh, in college uh, is where we met, and uh -huh. got married as soon as I graduated. So I got married very young, mm. and started uh, my working career, and... and so did she. She not yet finished school, so she was going to school, college, while we were first married and mm -hmm. um, took our lives on a whole different path of uh, things uh, when we moved a few times and all of that mm -hmm. and um, did not have any children. That was a challenge in our life where, where we found out we couldn't. That's another layer of my life. Mm -hmm. And so went a long ways and was married 17 years and we were together almost 20 and then unfortunately we got divorced mm. and that uh you know all of a sudden i'm 40 years old and and really alone for the first time in my life because i went from you know being at home to college to being married so i was never alone in my life and i moved out to arizona took a job and and then it gets real long-winded so you can pick the points where you want me to elaborate but then so my parents god bless them are still married 54 years happily and I'd say oh, happily. That's, that's an important amazing. distinction. Yes. A lot of people are still married. <laughs> yes. My parents are happily I'm glad married. you said that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and my grandparents, my, my mom's parents were married 67 years happily. Wow. And my dad's parents were 60 years happily. And they were we lived close by. So I, mean, I had those uh, role models in my life and, and was a part of that my whole life. And so I was the first grandchild to get married. And then it ended in divorce. I felt a great deal of shame. Okay. Not from anybody in particular, nobody, right. but that's how I felt. I felt like I was letting everybody down. Nobody said that. Mm -hmm. No one ever even intimated that, but that's how I felt. I now, felt why like did you feel that way? Because I think, you know, in my family, everybody was married mm -hmm. and they had stayed married and I couldn't make it work. And we did a lot to try to make our, our marriage work and it didn't. And that was, it, it felt like a real failure. And I think part of that, like I said, my, my childhood was pretty nondescript, wonderful, mm -hmm. but not filled with tragedy or loss or those types of things. And right. so I really hadn't experienced any real setbacks in my life. Okay. So Even up to 40 years old. And that sounds unrealistic, but I mean, I had some great grandparents die. And when my grandparents did, they had lived long productive, healthy, happy lives. And mm -hmm. it was sad, but it wasn't like they died at 50 or, right. or too young. So I really hadn't experienced any really strong trauma in my life, thankfully, of mm -hmm. course. Um, but then when the, the marriage failed and I felt a real failure there, and I moved to Arizona, I took a job and moved out to Arizona, you know, 2,000 miles away. And part of that was to run away. And mm -hmm. uh, a lot of my family knew and friends I had traveled to Arizona. I traveled a lot for work okay. in my life. We grew up going to Florida because my grandparents lived in Florida, <laughs> yeah. uh, wintered in Florida. And so I grew up, and I always, 
always had dreamed of living somewhere warm. Mm -hmm. My ex-wife didn't want to. That she wanted to stay close to family. So in some ways, this was my chance to do it okay. because now I was single and I could. And why wait till I retire to move somewhere warm? But a biggest part of that was that I felt a lot of shame and embarrassment. Mm -hmm. uh, like I said, nobody oh. put that on me. Right. It was all self. Um, we do a lot of self yes. harm, don't we? We all do. We're our own worst critics mm -hmm. and all of those things. And so I moved here, and it was really, really difficult. I also think, just you know, shortening it, we can get into whatever you want, like I said. Mm -hmm. If I hadn't moved here, I think it would have taken me longer to get past it. Because when you're married and with somebody happily, we were happily, happily married for so many of those years. Mm -hmm. And it was such a wonderful relationship for so much of it. That even though it failed, um, it was difficult. That was a loss mm -hmm. it, because there was no smoking gun as to why we got divorced. There was no okay. hatred. There was no, it was just a sadness that we were at different points of our lives and wanted different things at that point. And that was a huge loss mm -hmm. and not one that I wanted, frankly. And so it was, I really suffered a lot of it self-brought, but mm -hmm. um, I came out here and I had to do everything for myself, which again, I, would, I went from college to being married forever. So it sounds so simple, but I never cooked because my ex-wife loved to cook yes. and I didn't, we were a great team. We did so many things together and now that, you know, going out to eat alone, I'd never done that in my life or living alone and having to do everything on your own, yeah. just survive your regular life, all those things. And, um, so you have to rebuild you I as did. an individual. And I think that I was saying all of that, that gets me to what's my authentic self. It changed to all of a sudden at 40 years old, I had to, I didn't have to do anything. Right. right. But I think if I had stayed in Michigan, I had so many people that said, stay here. I had a friend that said, come live in our house. They had like this mansion, literal, and so you could stay in the bottom half. It's all yours, separate entrance. And I thought about all those things, but I think if I had stayed there, I would have been too in too close to the situation still. Mm -hmm. That moving this far away, 2,000 miles away, made me expedite the process in right. some ways. Some ways that hurt, but I think overall, now that I look back, I think it's the best thing I ever did because I love living in the warm weather and the mm -hmm. and everything and and it was you know, yes, I had to rebuild myself. Part of that was running. Okay. And when when we separated, um I moved out here when we were actually separated when the paperwork was filed. So we were apart before I was officially divorced, and um, I had raging insomnia, just mm -hmm. raging, raging insomnia, and it was all stress and all of those things, right. anxiety and depression and all of that. Okay. And not clinically diagnosed, but just... Um, but you know. Yeah. You know. And I had a friend, and I, I couldn't sleep. Mm-hmm. And I used to run in high school and in college, and I had a, and I, but hadn't for years at that point. And I had a mm -hmm. friend who said, "Well, maybe you should just run and just burn off some energy and um, pick that up again." And and I did. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, this is a part that's kind of interesting. It's like I so I was running every day, and if I felt stress, I would go out and run again. Mm -hmm. And I was running nonstop. I. I, I if I woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning, I'd go and run. 
And I was running almost too much where it was unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Yes, I wasn't going to bars or getting drunk or, or dealing with pills or anything else right. or anything else. But I was still not dealing with anything. I was literally, I, I see all this now, not at the time, of course. Right. That I was literally running right. away from everything so I wouldn't have to sit home. Because when exactly. I sat home and it was quiet, because now all of a sudden it's just me. Yep. It was very quiet. Mm-hmm. And you have to think about stuff that you don't want to think about. Being and I would just run out the door. Very. It, when you have to finally learn to do it. Yes. And you don't have that anyone else to bounce it off of or to be there yeah. for you or with you. and Because there's the phone and stuff. And that's helpful, but it's not the same. No. And, um, so I had an unhealthy addiction to running mm-hmm. that put me in great shape. <laughs> but, again, even something positive like that... It, was unhealthy in some other ways. Yes. Um, that all sort of, that sort of changed who I am too, because the other part of that, you say authentic self, that's such a challenging statement because my whole life to that point, I had been, I had lifelong friends, which I still do, and family, and, and everybody knew me as married mm-hmm. and happily married. And I moved to Arizona. I didn't know one person. And the entire time I've lived here, everybody here has only known me as a divorced guy. That runs all the time. I didn't do that. I was neither of those things in Michigan. So you created a whole new you. Or you started showing a part of you that was there. but Without intention, per Mm -hmm. se. But yes, it occurred to me after a while. I was like, wow, everybody, nobody even... Some people never even ask if I was ever married. They just assume I'm... So it's just... I thought, gosh, I could be whatever I want. Yeah. So how did that feel? You know, trying to... You know that you can create a whole new you because you're in a whole new spot. And now there's two questions, right? How does it feel knowing that you can create a whole new you, right? Because no one knows you. And how at this age does it feel to have to, or you don't have to, but to meet new people and build those new friendships? That's probably the hardest part. How do you meet people and and become friends with people? That's not an easy thing to do, no matter where you are. Mm-hmm. You move into a new city, you don't know people, mm-hmm. and even if you meet someone. So I was very very fortunate. Just serendipitously, I was running. On uh, I moved here, and Saturday I went running down the canal canal banks here, and I was running, and another guy was running running next to me. We're similar age; you could just tell by our looks. And we just like a lot of runners. When you run, you come across others, and you run with them for a bit or whatever. And Mm -hmm. we struck up a conversation, and and we started a friendship. Very very loosely at that point, but but thank God for him because he we were done running ninety nine point nine percent of the time. You just go your separate ways, and he said, "Hey, I'm gonna go climb." Um, Piestawa Peak tomorrow oh. or next week or something with uh, some other friends if you want to go. And I was I had nothing else to do, so I was like, okay, maybe I'll join you. Right. And that was it. But I did join them, so I had to then, because part of me was like, eh, you know, nice guy, but whatever. Right. And but then I did call him and 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 I met the group and we and we did Piestawa Peak and then. 
Greg is his name, and Greg and I, Greg grew up here in Arizona. It became the best thing ever for me because he was born and raised here in Phoenix. Mm -hmm. I was brand new, literally a week in at that point. Mm -hmm. He knew everything about Phoenix in Arizona because he'd lived here his whole life. We were a similar age. But the point of making friends I'm getting to is that he had two two kids, like preteen and teenager. So he had a busy life. So it's like I was always free. It's like, hey, you want to go do this? He's like, nope, can't, can't, can't. So it wasn't like we were... We were friends, but we weren't best buddies right away because right. his life was very busy in other ways. So mm -hmm. that's where it's hard to make friends at this at a similar point in life where you can share in the same way. Mm -hmm. Since then, his kids have gotten older over the years, and we're we are really really great friends. But initially, yeah, it's not that simple. No. And you're still sitting home alone, like with nothing to do. It's like, well, do I walk around the library? I mean, what do I do? <laughs> Because I, I, I'm i very Catholic, and I would go to church, but you go to Mass and you leave. It's not like you're walking up and down right. the aisle saying, hey. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> what are you doing tomorrow? Who are you? What are you? It's a hard thing to put yourself out there. Yeah. When you've never had to. I knew my wife forever. We had let, Both of us had lifelong friends forever. That was all of our group. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like I had to meet people over the years. If we did, great, but it didn't matter if we did because mm -hmm. we had so many other that friends already nice. built in. So it wasn't like we didn't meet new people, but it either happened or it didn't mm -hmm. didn't matter right. because we had a group. Out here, I knew nobody, mm -hmm. literally. And I had to do things that I wouldn't normally... It took me a while to get to that point. Don't get me wrong. Right. But I had to, to do things I wouldn't do or maybe... Like I would never go hike a mountain with a group. That's just something, it just isn't me. Right? That, it wasn't Right, me. it wasn't you, but you had to get out of yourself. But I did it, and um, that's, so my authentic self, I don't know, that's a, if authentic is even the right word, we're always still evolving, right? Constantly. I mean, where I am today, I might not be in 10 years, probably shouldn't be, right, in right. some ways. right. Um, but you do have to sort of recategorize your life. In my circumstance, I had to recategorize everything. Mm -hmm. My wife and I had both worked in higher education at universities. She was a professor, and I was in the administration. And after I took a job out here, and then it, and then I don't know when it hit me. It wasn't that long, but I was like, "Well, I don't need to work at a university anymore." I did kind of because she was getting her PhD and we would move so she could get a job because I always could at a university. Mm -hmm. And I got to thinking, well, I liked it, but it's like, well, I don't have to do that because right. I, I was looking for another job and I was like only looking at universities. And I thought, well, I don't have I to do, do that, that anymore. anymore. <laughs> I like it, but it's not, I don't have to be pigeonholed. Mm -hmm. um, so it just... I think I had to have enough confidence, even in my states of depression or sadness, mm -hmm. they were in there, mm -hmm. to allow me to do that. Not everybody has that. No. Um, so it's harder for some people, and you learn that. Mm -hmm. and you think, oh, it's easy for you. Okay, but that's not everybody else. Um, but thankfully, I had that to sort of push me in different directions. So that's where the acting came in, because... As you mentioned, my, my brothers and cousins and I made some films when we were kids, but that was just my parents or grandparents, because my grandparents had this old 8 millimeter camera with no sound. 
And when we would always get together all the time, they would just send us kids either in the basement or outside, just get away, you know, don't come in until time to eat. Yes, yes. And so we were looking for things to do, and we had this camera, and we started making these silly movies like James Bond spoofs and stuff you do when you're, you know, 10, 12, 14, or whatever we were, little kids. Mm -hmm. um, They're all horrible, but they were fun at the time. Uh, I wouldn't call that acting, but, uh, but some... But we would create sort of story. We would create stories and props, and right. so we would sort of go through the motions, if you will. But I did not act in high school or college or anything like ever in my life. So mm-hmm. that wasn't part of who I am. But I guess there was a creative piece in there somewhere. But absolutely, but never a, uh, uh, looked into it or, or mm-hmm. attempted it really in any real way till. Mm, recently so <laughs> how does your vulnerability play a part in that you know you have to be vulnerable to to open up yourself to new adventures and things like that you mentioned the level of confidence it takes in in yourself did you always have that confidence um I would say I had a level of it that's inherent I'm very much like my grandfather who was very confident in himself um but not in an overt way necessarily but um early on in my work career I was I had a lot of responsibility thankfully and I was in I'd always presented I was like the presenter Mm -hmm. and I was in front of a lot of people a lot of CEOs and Mm -hmm. um, prominent people even at a young age and if you're in the front of a room with those type of people if you act unconfident even if you are or scared they'll chew you right up or they won't pay attention or they won't listen they certainly won't buy what you're selling so to speak so I had to learn right away that to be sort of not abrasive that's not my nature but to to be confident and it's like you're in front of that room for a reason and really believe that Mm -hmm. and buy into it if they don't agree with it so what it's easier said than done and make it sound so simple but I had enough of it in me, and I did that for so many years. Gotcha. But I also think the tumultuous nature of, of my divorce the, and the, the rocky road that had it the last few years in so many ways brought me to depths of emotion that I had never felt mm. and made me more vulnerable than I'd ever been in my life. And as an actor, you need those things. Mm-hmm. And so if I had really tried to act when I was 20 or 30, I, I wouldn't have had any of that life within me mm-hmm. at that point. And I guess anybody that's that young that can act that way, that's when you know somebody's truly talented because they probably haven't experienced so much. Right, right. Um, I can draw on it. I have that ability to draw on it, mm-hmm. uh, but only because now I've experienced it in the last eight years. If I hadn't, I don't think... I'd be doing any of this. Hmm. But all of it started because I put myself out there too. I modeled for a um, sporting goods catalog, uh, running shoes and running gear. And even going out for that audition was ridiculous and silly um, to me because that was nowhere near any part of my life. Mm-hmm. And I had somebody, a friend, and she suggested that I do it. And I was like, uh, no. um but this was years ago and it's still part of like well maybe i it's sometimes you have to do stuff just 
for life experience or just to do something different. And right. I thought, well, that would be a crazy story just to even audition for something like that. And it's like, whatever. Right. And then they picked me. And then they used my photo in the catalog, a couple of them. And then that's where it all started because they cast that, that catalog like a, a, like a movie. Oh, wow. It's a casting company. Hmm. And um, that casting company started calling me in for commercials after that. And, was, and they, the first time they called me, and they said, we'd like you to come in for a commercial. And I was like, well, you, you met me. You know I don't act. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no, you can do it. It's like, oh, you can do it. <laughs> but again, so here's another one of those points. It's like, I could have said no. Mm-hmm. I did the, the catalog and the modeling and got paid really well. And I could have just thought, oh, that's, that's a fun story and nothing more. But they called me in for the commercial, and I thought about it. And I said, well, what the heck? Why not? Mm-hmm. And then I did that, and they kept calling me back for commercials and commercials. And then they were cast in a movie here in Arizona, and they they asked me to be a part of that. And um, so that's where it all started. But then it all then it was like I sort of enjoyed it mm-hmm. and realized this is a part of this is something I'd never thought of. Right. But I have some sort of talent. I'm using air quotes for those <laughs> listening. Whatever that was at that point, because I kept getting booked and uh-huh. gigs with, with no background or experience in that in that way. So I figured, well, I got some, I'm tapping into something. There's a part of you. Somehow. Right. And so I started to push. That's where I'd say I made the personal choice to push and really go and audition for lots of things that I had no business even auditioning for. But um, I also viewed that as... Uh, I went after it hardcore, like almost academically. I studied okay. very hard on my own, mm-hmm. read millions of things, read books, studied, prepared myself like mad. Okay. Um, because when I would, the first couple of auditions I went on, I didn't know what the heck they were saying, and they would tell me to do things. I didn't know what they meant, and I would look like an idiot. Mm-hmm. I'd look like an unprofessional, you know, and I didn't like that feeling. Yes. It's like, if I'm going to do this, I need to know what I'm doing in the room. Absolutely. So I approached it very academically and studied and prepared. And and, and for whatever reason, this is where the confidence comes in. I present, like I said, I was in front of people and presented my whole life. So auditioning was not scary to me, yeah. which is one, one point. I was not nervous in the least. It was always like, well, I'll do it. And if it doesn't happen, so what? My life is fine without it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not... Um, so I was never nervous in auditioning, and I think that comes across, obviously, to people yes. doing these auditions. You've met so many of these actors and actresses go in, and you see their bundle of nerves, and they probably can do it, but they can't get out of their own way. Yeah, I'm one. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not alone. And it doesn't mean I wasn't nervous right. at times, but um, I've been in front of the room, so to speak, so many times it wasn't a big deal to me. Right. Or this person's opinion of me, I didn't. It was like, whatever. I mean, they don't like me? What? Okay. What's mm-hmm. that mean? You know? Well, that's a great way to be because that, that's the hardest thing to do. Because we talked about how we get in our own way. And that is one of the main ways we get in our way because we say we can't be ourselves. But honestly, when we go to things like that, they want us to be us. Yeah. But we automatically want to put on a facade because we want to show them what we think they want to see. So you approach it that way, like, head on. 
from day one. I did. I always have, yeah. I think that's just from my background. And it's so like I said, I couldn't have done that at age 25 or 30. Right. That I could at 40. Because I have a lot of life experience of doing that in a, in a different avenue. But mm-hmm. doing that where it wasn't uh, an issue for me. And for whatever the reasons, the, the, the commercials in the first movie I did, I had a very tiny role. And I was watching... You know these sets. You sit on them all day long, and you're. Mm-hmm. And um, I was watching the one of the lead actors really struggle with his lines, and um, by the time he, uh, they finally mm-hmm. called him up to do it. I mean, I was like, I knew his lines because he'd been struggling <laughs> with it for so long, and it just made me think, well, I can do what they're doing, and, and I'd rather not sit here all day, and, right. and give one line. I can do. I can do just as much as he can. Now, why I thought that or believed that, we could dissect me and figure out biological, <laughs> I don't know. But I, I had the belief that I could do it with no background or training in that vein. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, I could do what he's doing. I could, t- I could give that emotion. Or... And so I started only applying for like lead roles or main roles and things. because okay. I, Mostly because I didn't want to sit around a set all day and just do like one thing. I was mm-hmm. like, well, I'd, I'd rather be a big part of it. But I think I can do it. Gotcha. And that's up to somebody else to believe that too. But in my mind, because there's a lot <laughs> like, of people who think, <laughs> well, but you've probably met other actors that would never apply for maybe the lead in something. Oh, I can't be the lead. Well, right. Why not? But that, to me, it was like, well, why, why not? Mm-hmm. Why do I want to just be a secondary person? Nothing wrong with that. Right. I, I don't know. I was just, and it wasn't an ego thing. It was just like, well, I thought, I, I think I could do it. And it would be more fun to do it. And you believed in yourself. And I believed in that. Yeah. Without maybe all the, uh, how we got to that point. And again, running gave me a lot of confidence too, mm-hmm. because it changed my body, it changed my mindset in a lot of ways. And when I've run a lot of marathons, when you train and run that many hours, you have a lot of time. Mm-hmm. You run for three hours on a Saturday. That's a lot of time to yourself. Oh, and yeah. you learn. I think that's how I learned to be with myself as much as living by myself is that I was out running. And your mind is gets it's really crazy when you first start for like the first even today for like a half an hour my mind's full of a million things I got to do but then it, at some point it just all that goes away and you learn how to be with yourself. Learning to be with yourself that is powerful because many of us do not know how to be by ourselves or be alone or be you know let alone be alone with our own thoughts. Because that could be a good and a bad experience depending on the individual, right? And when they are in, and where they are in their life, right? To be left with your thoughts. I know thinking of myself being by myself would be a different experience. I've never been by myself. I always had, you know, a partner, my kids, so I've never really had a real opportunity to be by myself, but I, I can definitely understand how that can be um, a positive thing and also a challenging thing at times. Um, so it really depends on the individual and, you know, where they are in their lives, where they are in their relationships and where they're trying to transcend themselves to be. So, um my conversation with Chris, you know, really didn't end here. We just 
chose to pause at this point and, you know, we definitely continued our conversation, but I wanted to stop there for just the listeners to take in what Chris was talking about and, you know, healing and discussing his running and how that affected him, his acting and just coming into himself again as he transitions in in life, as we all do. We evolve, we transition, we change as we grow. So um, with that, I, I just want you to sit with that, ponder with that and see if anything that was talked about resonates with you or something that you can connect with, right? And then join us again when we do part two with Chris as we start to talk deeply about his healing process, seeking counseling and talking with members of the church and um, continuing that that work of being himself, that continuing the journey of healing because it just doesn't stop there. We talk often about how things in our lives sometimes, you know, there's triggers that trigger us and it's nice to get the male perspective on things that happen in in their lives because a lot of men don't talk about these things. So I appreciate Chris for coming on and sharing himself, right? As most men don't like to do. But um, I want to also thank everyone who has been here, who's listening to Chris's story. And also, uh, I invite you to come back to hear part two. Again, it's a rare occasion where we get to be a part of a journey of someone's journey or hear someone's journey on healing and um, advancing themselves in their authenticity. So just please feel free to come back and listen to part two as we talk about that part of the journey as well. So with that, I want to thank you all for coming, for listening, uh, coming. I don't do live shows anymore, but I, I will come back to doing live shows. But um, but thank you for listening. And also, I, I encourage you to give me your feedback. Let me know how um, this the story resonated with you, it, whether it did or it didn't. I, I like to hear both. Feedback to me is great, either positive or negative. Uh, it's feedback. It can only make us better, right? So feel free to email me at dc at the soulfuleclectic.com or you can reach me on Facebook, DC Soulful Eclectic. Uh, you can also reach me on my webpage, www.thesoulfuleclectic.com. But I also ask, please don't forget to subscribe and rate the podcast. And um, I just look forward to hearing from you all. And part two will be coming soon. Namaste.